Merry Christmas and Happy Feast Day as we celebrate our patronal feast day, this feast to the Holy Family, which typically falls on this first Sunday after Christmas. And it's a fitting time to celebrate this great reality of the situation in which God chose to make himself manifest. As we celebrated last week, born in that stable and laid in the manger. And today we highlight the fact that it was born within the context of a family, which isn't too much of a stretch because God is a family. When we think about how to define God or how to think about God, when we study the beginnings of philosophy and the beginnings of theology, we learn that God is a communion of persons, which in a few months as we celebrate the feast of the Holy Trinity is what we celebrate. The complete and total gift of self one to another. So when St. John tells us that God is love, we know that in order, to, in order therefore to be love, we need one who loves and one who is loved, and there has to be love in between. That communion, that union, that life lived together is made manifest, is made a reality to us in the Holy Family. And so we celebrate it with joy. And as we've been saying for the last few years, we need this celebration more than ever as the attack on the family gets stronger and stronger from both definitely outside the church and even some voices within the church seeking to cause chaos and confusion about the true nature of marriage and family life. And so we turn with Holy Mother Church today to that quiet family of Nazareth to be reminded of the true joy, the true goodness of marriage and family life as God has designed, not as we create according to cultural shifts in the times and the trends. We celebrate marriage and family, one man and one woman who come together with the freedom to stay together forever until death do you part, with the intention of being open to life and the natural production, the natural creation of life. This is what marriage is, and this is the context in which families are created, and nothing else can ever be considered marriage or true family life. Now, we know, all of us, I'm sure if we took a a survey, we all have people in our lives, in our families, for one reason or another, one decision or another, aren't living the perfect, ideal life. So we pray. We pray for God's mercy in all situations. That the penetrating truth of life, the penetrating light of truth, the penetrating love of the Father would illumine the hearts and minds of each and every one of us. First, that we can accept joyfully the truth as God has taught us through his one church. So we can first accept it and then with faith live it out. 
to repent from any sins that we may have committed that are contradictory to God's plan for love and marriage and family. And then turn away from any endorsements of anything we've done in our life that might support anything that's contradictory to God's law. But most importantly, we live what God has taught us. And we believe, as Vatican II teaches, that the words of sacred scripture written by human authors are are the words of God. The very word of God, inspired by the Holy Spirit, given to us through the pages of sacred scripture. We believe it as it is written, without looking through the shades of any cultural context. But the very word of God is brought to us. And that word is illumined for us this evening, especially in that first and second reading, as we get instructed on how to live in a family. That we hear in the, in the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament, about the Ten Commandments. And number four is to honor your mother and father. The book of Sirach this evening gives us some explanation of what that looks like. St. Paul to the Colossians in the second reading helps us to further understand what family life looks like. And so maybe as a point of reflection for your families this evening or in the days to come, return to these sacred scriptures, these beautiful, life-giving words of God given to us to see what we're called to. Because we're called to imitate the holy family. Whether we're single with no children, whether our children have left the house and all the other various relationships that we are part of, we're all called to imitate the Holy Family. Because by the nature of your baptism, you have been incorporated into the Holy Family. So you are responsible for responding well to the graces God promised you. We sang in the response to a psalm that God is faithful to his covenant forever. You entered into that covenant through the waters of baptism. This holy family. To be a holy family. First of all, that word means to be set apart. That's what holy means. The things that are holy are set apart, and set apart in particular to be used for God according to his purposes. So that must be our first and our primary disposition. Not a personal motivation of how I feel or what makes sense to me. But what has God said? And when we look at the early life of Christ, from the very moment of his conception in in his mother's womb, he interrupted her Mary's plan. She was without sin, she was open, she was willing to do, but it wasn't her plan. When we look at Joseph's life, His life was interrupted. He had to do things that he wasn't initially drawn to, but because of his faith, because of his humility, because of his obedience to the will of God, he did things that God called him to do that would not have been his first choice. This is what it means to be holy, is that we set aside our personal ambitions and our personal ideas And we say yes to God's will for my life. And we live in our our American, our Western culture 
that highlights the individual. My rights, my will, what I want is what's most important. And it's contrary to the life of a disciple of Jesus Christ. Regardless of your state in life and what vocation you choose to live, the life of Jesus, the life of Mary, the life of Joseph teaches us that it's not me first. And so we have to learn to die to ourselves in order to be a member of the holy family. And when we look at that life of Jesus in Nazareth, one of the main things that stands out to us is the silence. Almost the complete silence of the early life of Jesus. We have the episode today when he's eight days old going to be presented. Excuse me, 40 days old today. We, have the, we know that he, he went to Egypt because Herod was going to kill all the babies. We know when he was 12, he was found in the temple teaching. But, so we have three or four episodes and very short episodes of his life. And so the silent, hidden life of Jesus has so much to teach us, especially in this day today where everything is so loud. And everything is put on broadcast so that everybody can see everything that I'm doing. In a way, I become attracted to that, addicted to that. I do things so that I can show them to other people. So I can talk about them and brag about them and get people to like me and to follow me because of the things that I'm doing. The Holy Family, the quiet Holy Family in Nazareth, teaches us that's not the way of the disciple. And so we ask for that radical conversion that works contrary to what the world's telling us is good and necessary and true. We know that Joseph was a worker. We often call him a carpenter. That's been the traditional understanding. But the, maybe the better Greek interpretation of his job was one who works with his hands. So maybe more than just a carpenter, or maybe just a carpenter. But the hard work of a man who works with his hands, and what that does to his head and to his heart and to his body. We learn the value of good, hard work. I heard a a stat the other day that said there's over 7 million able-bodied men in America who have just quit looking for work for whatever reason, and we can leave the politics outside the doors. But can we imagine the destruction that's happening to our country because these able-bodied men are rejecting their God-given call to use their bodies for good, for work? We must teach our people, especially our young men, the value of hard work and imitation of St. Joseph. And then finally, we can just look to that passage from the Colossians the second reading, all of those virtues that he, he lists, which are necessary for us as disciples. There may be two that we need more than any in our families, forgiveness and love. How many families are torn because we refuse to forgive? 
How many of us are holding onto hardened hearts because of grudges for something that happened this morning, last week, or 50 years ago? The evil one thrives in that environment. He thrives when we hold on to pain and to sadness and to hurt. He loves when we don't forgive. We look at the cross as the perfect sign of God's love that's given to us through forgiveness. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. It's going to be almost impossible to have a holy family, for us to be a holy family if we don't forgive, if we hold on doesn't mean that we weren't hurt. I mean, actually, if we weren't hurt, there wouldn't be anything to forgive. But we must forgive as the Father has forgiven us so that we can love as he loves. And to love is to will the good of the other. So to go back to the beginning, all of the cultural noise that seeks to distort marriage and family and love It's not loving to encourage someone in a sinful lifestyle. It's just flat out not love. Do we have compassion and mercy and empathy? Of course we do. But we cannot encourage someone to continue a sinful lifestyle, regardless of the area in which it is. It's just not love. Love is to will the good of the other and the best for the other is for them to live in a lifelong relationship with Jesus Christ so they can be with him in heaven forever. Christ is calling us, inviting us today to examine our consciences, to see if we truly are being a holy family, if we're responding well to this call. As we sit in the silence of Nazareth to meditate on the early life of Jesus, to use our minds and our bodies well for the uplifting and the building up of the kingdom of God. As we let go of hurts and offer forgiveness so that over all these things we can put on love. So love is the way that we become a holy family. Let's ask God for that grace this evening. Above all these things to put on love.